Am I loud enough? Yep, all good. Go for it. Okay, cool. Yep. All right. Hello and welcome to We Don't Talk About the Weather. Political discussion from the outside may look like screaming and crying. Uh, I'm Adam and this is Hugh. Hello. And uh, yeah, um, I am. I have ascended uh, thousands of feet <laughs> above London's glittering East End in a hyperbaric chamber of my own construction. Um, so I'm remoting in for this this episode. Uh, Hugh, how's it going down there on the ground? It's it's fine. Um, it's fine. It's weird recording like this because I don't like. It is. Yeah. I don't. I I never like doing things. We like never this. intended to do like doing a, a a recorded podcast. I don't know. It just it just didn't seem right. We lived close close enough that we could always get together. But yeah. apparently, biology has other designs. <laughs> but um, on the plus side, it's this is a pretty good app, and you know, it's very secure. Telegram's very good. We can check to see like we can match up our little emojis to make sure no one's listening and yep no one is listening thank god the <laughs> last thing i want anyone to do is listen to this yeah so you know just to you know to make it easier for you i'll paint you a picture with words about how i'm looking at the moment on what are we day three day four well i've been i've been on like staying in for a while now because i've been i've been working from home but... Yeah, I've I've been working from home since last Wednesday, I think. Yeah. So I am at the moment, because you're not here, I can be in my pants. And I'm in a yep. floor length purple snake print kimono. Not <laughs> my wife's kimono, because I'm not a fucking chump. My own You're not kimono. a fox botherer. No, my own kimono. If I bother any animals, I'll be you're doing not, it in you're my not Julian Morgan. You can't just pull the kimono off just ad hoc. No, not at all. Um, and my it's like my hair has gotten really mad. I literally I can't be asked to deal with it properly. And my my <laughs> last surviving cat has taken to sleeping next to me on the sofa and preening me. So on one side, my hair is a pristine golden waterfall, and on the other side, it looks like Wurzel Gummidge's face. <laughs> and this this kimono describe it for me it's purple it's floor length uh-huh and it's snake yeah print. <laughs> when did you get this kimono hugh it it turned up today i'd ordered it a while ago to be prepared for all eventualities <laughs> I just really like you're you're really embracing this uh, this new reality, this new normal with your trademark aplomb. <laughs> well, really, really narrowing it up. <laughs> I ran out of cherry Pepsi Max, and so now I'm on to iced mocha boba. <laughs> you can say like, oh, I ran out of bread. <laughs> I ran out of bread three days ago, but my purple kimono came. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, on the. The shops are pretty good in the village. Like, going to a supermarket is a fucking nightmare because, like, huge queues, masses of people, everything's dirty. I've got some gloves and masks, but I don't trust them, um, like, the mm. shops at all. But, yeah. like, the little corner shops around, like, within walking distance of the flat, um, I haven't had a single issue with them so far. I went, I mean, I, I've been shopping, I went food shopping the last two Sundays. Mm. Um and like one was a stocking up trip, um, like not mad. I mean, you couldn't you couldn't really get uh, like the the typical things like the the hand wash and the yeah. toilet roll were already yeah. out by that point. Um, uh, don't worry, listeners, I'm all right for toilet roll for now, <laughs> and I'm coming up with some creative solutions. Well, the, we will unveil next the, week. Um, um, the evening <laughs> standard is being is going to start <clears throat> posting it through people's fucking doors because that seems reasonable what yeah he's, they're what? Gonna, um yeah um gideon promised to post it to like to like have it put through hundreds of thousands of doors or something bullshit what like a that. fucking great idea what a fantastic idea yep and I... I'm, I'm pretty certain do you reckon that's because of advertising like they have to guarantee a certain um, amount of views i mean i think yeah i think definitely there's a there's like it's so weird seeing all the commercial imperatives like play out in real time when there is actually a, a crisis that stops people from buying and like you yeah. see how precarious there's like um, building work going on around the back of me. Yeah. Um, 
uh, from this this building company, and they only just sent their like construction people uh, like home today, right? Because yeah. they were still going into work up until today. Um, and they posted something on their website that was like, um, "Oh, you know, um, well, we've we've all our sites are closing down, and we've taken recourse to this like five hundred million pound fund of cash to, and we're not going to pay dividends, but we, you know, we're we're in a good cash situation. But it's like." you are one of the prime property developers in the country and you are you the way that sounded was like they were living hand to mouth yeah like if there's even a single week where they do not work in the way that they have been working so far which we have discovered before is like environmentally and economically unsustainable yeah if we do not work like this yeah all the time for the entirety of the future um we are in like we're in trouble yeah and well, it's like you know it's like how um, with um tim weatherspoon's losing his mind and i it's like it's still vague and it's hard i've i've been well the thing is i've been dipping in and out of twitter because like you know twitter is like twitter is a oh, twitter twitter in a twitter in a crisis yeah, is like, um uh, like when yeah. it's normal twitter is like a fidget spinner that makes you angry but at the moment, uh-huh, yeah. it's a fidget spinner that makes me really, really angry, and then I get frightened and anxious, and then I turn it off again. So you know, I've been trying. I've been only dipping in and out. But um, yeah, yeah, Tim Weatherspoon's acting like. Well, obviously, I, I, you know, at the end of the week, all the money comes in, and that is just enough for me to get by. <laughs> I need yeah. it all, all the time. To be fair, he does look like he lives a lavish lifestyle. He has to buy an awful lot of polo shirts. <laughs> I just, it's, it is just incredible to see like the, because, um, you know, the majority of economic, um, like economic control and economic power is concentrated in very few hands. We yeah. call these hands the ruling class, et cetera, et cetera. Um, it's absolutely incredible, and you can see it reflected in two things of like the, the government's um, like wage compensation scheme. So it's mm. a, a employers are going to get to apply to have the government pay 80% of their employees' wages up mm-hmm. to a ceiling of like two and a half grand. Yep. Um, that will be administered through employers. Yeah. And that logic runs that, well, of course, employers are the only ones who determine economic logic in this country and on this planet entirely, so it will naturally go into their hands. Mm. Secondly, you can hear in the, in the people like Tim Martin and... Um, Sports Direct, I think, today uh, was forced to close down because they categorised themselves as, as an essential service. Well, and they so are. they were still making people going in. And people, like, where are you going to get those big mugs from? You well, tell no. me to be fair, where look, I'm supposed to get a big mug. Look, since they've, told, since they've been telling everyone to stay at home, I have never seen, any, I have never seen more joggers in my fucking life. Like, I go out <laughs> walking the dog in the morning and, like, it's annoying in January because... But the thing is, it's annoying in January, but it's also kind of funny because the weather's horrible, and this year it's particularly horrible. And you you walk, you're trudging through the mud with the dog first thing in the morning, and he's having fun, but you know he's just going to be disgusting all day. And then you see, <laughs> um, usually like around Walthamstow, it'll be like some estate agent or or associated industry dickhead running for the first time and just slipping all over the place in the mud. And at least that you know makes you feel a bit yeah. better. But it is worse than the New Year's rush. It's con- there's so many people out, and it's it's because everyone every, it, it, I mean it, it, there is like a, a fear of missing out thing. It's like everybody is so hi- hyper tuned to, um, be like not be without the access. The weird thing is they're acting like the access is going to close down, mm. but also they're acting in a way whereby the access to those goods can never close down. And I mean you know realistically they can't you're always going to need toilet paper or, or, or you know access to outside areas or exercise or whatever but there's a kind of a, a weird panic of like the only thing a neoliberal economy knows how to do is get more hyper yeah well there's some the thing is what's you know to... if, if, if under neoliberalism you're a shark who constantly has to keep moving uh in order not to drown yeah so the solution to a crisis where you absolutely has to stop and everything has to stop you absorb those lessons and he's like well i'll move faster yeah. i'll take advantage of every single tiny thing to 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 get outside hence why people who've never been jogging are suddenly taking the thing up you know what's it they hate being people hate being told what to do especially seeing as like i think 
it's definitely got worse since 2008, but it's always been there. Like British people being like the hyper individualist kind of bollocks. Um, and yeah, it's got it's like the thing is that's really annoying is if realistically we should have been like pro- we're not properly locked down now. We should have been locked down a while no. ago, probably. And the people who were doing all the shit on the weekend. I've been told now I can only walk my dog once a day unless uh, otherwise I'm like, you know, breaking the... Is it a law? God knows. It's not It's not a law. It's still only it's a, a guideline. I know. But you know what I mean? Like, they're already, because of people who are being dickheads, and it's just, it's that horrible thing. It's like the, what What can the state, what can, especially the British state, what can it do in a time like this? Can it support us and make everything easier? Or can it punish us and invo- invent new ways to punish us and make us feel angry at each other? And like, I'm one hundred percent. I'm one hundred percent certain. There's a vague, uh, unenunciated feeling around the country that somehow you will be able to arrest this virus. Um, that's that, well. That's a thing in British society going back to yeah. the well forever. Like as as long yeah. as there's been a British state, they thought that they could just tell it off enough. Anything, yeah. like whatever it is. But <laughs> yeah, but yeah, so and, you know, and, I'll be, I'm I'm going to be. Breaking the law, breaking but yeah, the like, law by like, walking my colleague uh, twice a day. <laughs> for fuck's sake, it's like my no job, one's gonna check. I know, I know, but you know, you know that you know. But some busybody on my road's gonna fucking get get bitchier, but on the weird group WhatsApp, gonna things. snitch. Yeah. <laughs> um, and yeah, I mean, like, Basically, you make a good there's point a, there's about a house the... up the road, which which had like a vote Stella oh, Creasy thing. Lo- lo- local enemy. Right, um, I get they had the vote Stella <laughs> Creasy thing up during the election and now they've got the elect Keir Starmer. <laughs> oh boy. That's a grim house. Yeah, call social services on them. They're going to be the ones that are going to fucking call the police <laughs> on me walking my dog twice but, in one day. <laughs> but like, yeah, I mean, you could say that like to a certain extent it, um, inculcating a kind of i wouldn't even call it anti-authoritarianism because i've seen way more people um bitching about people like breaking non-specific vague guidelines about behavior assuming behavior on the part of others i've seen way more people bitching about that than i have like people obviously doing something shitty i mean admittedly i did follow the advice didn't go out which was quite easy for me Uh, has kind of opened my eyes as to actually I was kind of self-isolating a lot anyway. Um, yeah. I don't go out nearly as much as I should, maybe. Um, well, I think actually, weirdly, it's come it's come at a, a, a bad time, but also at a good time, because the weather has been fucking awful since mm. December. Um, and so why would we go out? Because it's just horrible all the time. But now the weather's mm. starting to look nice. <laughs> I, I, and like, I don't think it's that people are like un it is to a certain extent that people are ungovernable because if you think about what neoliberalism does to to populations it turns them into into consumers right yeah and so suddenly the language around how they refer to people has gone from um oh people should have choice or uh Br- the, the british people should have choice and they've started using language like citizens yeah again like it is every citizen's duty yeah that kind of that kind of language and people aren't used to it it panics them they've been inculcated that this is what um you know communist societies did to their populaces mm. and there is a very natural reaction because that has been the background tone of all of our society for like the last 30 years yeah there's some you no know? uh, it's the matt hancock's announcement tonight um or this afternoon mm. i think it was um yeah where was it the Excel Center is going to be turned into CoronaCon um, and become a massive... <laughs> CoronaCon 2020. Yeah, it's going to Have become... Have you bought your ticket? It's going to become one of those big... Hosp- it's going to become a big hospital, which... Great. That... Do just... we get to cov play? <laughs> yeah, very good. Um, yeah. But then also, the, I can't remember how many that they're asking for. Um, volunteers? Um, mm-hmm. Hang on a sec. I've got the number here. Um, oh, wasn't it like two hundred and fifty thousand volunteers? Non yeah. spe- again, non-specific volunteers. Well, no, he said what they, they're for. They, did... they said what they're for. They're for like um, delivering yeah. food to vulnerable people, doing shopping for NHS workers who can't do it themselves, things like that. Mm. Now, the issue there is okay. So, like you know, we were talking before about the way they're giving money to um, people on PAYE, 
and they, yeah. the way they instead of doing like I don't know, just putting it into people's bank accounts for fuck's sake, they're making it go yeah. for all the company. So so even if your boss is really good, it's going to take longer. Um, yeah. But then if you're self-employed, like me and my wife, and you know your um the your income is going to be severely negatively affected by everything that's going on. Um, and that oh look, I can get this pittance that will barely cover anything. And it's like, I know that universal basic income is shit. <laughs> no, not universal well, basic mean, income, but universal credit is shit. Uh, UBI is Universal shit. credit, yeah, yeah. Yeah, UBI is well, shit for you know, reasons. UBI is, 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 is different, uh, yeah. It's different. It's, it's shit for different reasons. But, you know, like, in, in this kind of situation in the state we're in now, it's the only thing that should be done to try and keep things, you know, to keep keep the wolves out, if you know what I mean. Yeah. But for them to ask for, oh, yeah, we need 250,000 people. Do you know what? I'd feel more fucking obliged to do any kind of thing like that if I wasn't desperately spending so much of my time at the moment trying to work out how we're going to survive yeah well and that's that's like the perfect uh, example of that you know yeah. you've spent you've spent 30 years telling people that um, the state are terrible at organising things the state are um, all out for themselves that at worst they're completely totalitarian at best they're corrupt and self-serving yeah um, and you've you've kind of layered this all over in furtherance of empowering a particular segment of of capital, and it it's so fuck it. One of the one of the good things about um, I'll say one of the good things, one of the more illuminating things about the way this has all folded out. It's like the first people to be told to go home are kind of um, retail workers. Um, like service sector people um they're the ones most at risk um and the ones that have been at work the longest and have had the most protection are like uh property developers construction uh key workers and landlords which is like a perfect description of the kind of coalition that the conservatives have kind of welded together yeah you know like, yeah. I mean, yeah, I know the key workers haven't felt any economic benefit, but like the rhetoric around it is always like protect the NHS. So they've fully taken yeah. that on board. You know, they're privatizing it. They have to privatize it on the sly. Yeah. And like the the, the worry with, with something like this, like everyone like last week when Rishi Sunak announced that huge, um, that huge package of uh, economic measures to, to counteract the, um, the economic slowdown. Hmm. Everyone's like, aha, f- socialism. And it's like, what? Yeah. No. Yeah. This, it's, it's not like, that's a key component. There was a fucking article in um, Unheard today, which was like, how does your ideology suit coronavirus? Oh, my God. Um, and they go through it. And uh, uh, what the, like the first one, obviously, was socialism. And it's like, a lot, of, a lot of lefties may look at this and go, oh, it's really good. But then they discover that the Tories are in charge. Bet you never thought that would happen when you were calling for more state intervention. And it's like, uh... no. Have you ever ever met a socialist? Like that's not what socialism is. No. Despite some of the more, a few of the more mainstream uh, commentators that get called left wing. Well, yeah. Give it, <laughs> give it um, having an immediate twenty percent pay cut and the money going through your boss to, before it eventually gets to you isn't yeah. socialism. <laughs> uh, with with also with no measure to. Um, uh, to work out whether they actually need it, because like my, like my work, mm. we're still working from home. We're still remoting in. Like yeah. we're still working. Yeah, you know, uh, we've still got stuff going through. As you know, we're still earning. Like the company is still earning money. Yeah, you know, they haven't done the wage thing. We're just like everything just continues as as it was. Mm. Luckily for me personally, but yeah, there's no there's no like kind of. Um, uh, sanctions if you don't turn up, or mm. you know, or if, if you you know miss a miss a session or something, you know, there's no there's no particular sanctions on that. Mm. You know, they're they're not the ones that get told to shut down and actually have a real have a real problem when they do shut down. You know, yeah. like I imagine this will be a huge step towards the death of the high street. Um. Well. Yeah, or, well, you know, the thing is, it's good. It's, I think like it's going to make it. It will even, be a speeding up of the slow decline, you know? It's going to make it even fucking worse because you saw like all the shops, if it was yesterday or 
I think it was yesterday, like he announced it, like McDonald's is shutting down, Costa, Subway, yeah, all those, all the big companies are going to shut down, sack all their workers, shut down, wait until everything's finished, then hire new workers at the end, and just open up and possibly expand. Yeah. Whereas, say you're like your imaginary fucking small shop owner, you know, the old yeah. Tory target. Um, oh yeah. Oh, they're they're done. The small, the, the the mythical small business owner. Oh yeah, they're done. Yeah, but I mean, it also again, it's it's so fucking revealing um, that focus on. That old like Thatcherite focus on small business as like yeah. what capitalism is is it's basically a a system of moral rectitude that individuals put themselves through with their families. You know, Thatcher was the you know the daughter of the shopkeeper yeah. and lived above the shop and all that. Um, it, they're all tales of moral rectitude, and you can see that that focus on that that's a purely ideological one. And whenever capitalism wheels out like the the newsagent owner or the like self-employed plumber as the one who has a problem with this socialist measure or this government intervention or whatever, you know, yeah. what's it going to do to me? I, it fucking literally happened in the last election. It's yeah. not exactly the same thing, but that guy who said about um, I earn over fifty k and I'll be paying. Oh, it was more than that. Um, he was like earning eighty thousand. What, 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 like was, was yeah, like, what was that? Yeah, what was the? I can't remember the specifics. Of the thought, guy on Newsnight who complained. he thought he was he thought he was poor. And he didn't realize he was in the top five percent of earners. Yeah, I'm not in the top five percent of earners, and I earn over eighty k. Yeah, absolutely, like a perfect encapsulation because that's the shield. That is always the the kind of ideological, like um, idealistic moral shield in front of the reality, which is that big business runs everything even though small companies have to get supplies and supply to larger companies in in the chain and what happens when um everything's in jeopardy and that class starts shouting they don't get a hearing because they're not the shard in power they're allied to the shard in power the class shard in power but they're not at the head of the table yeah you know and that's going to be people i imagine the economic fallout from this will be kind of increased uh, i mean obviously like increased internet um sales i imagine amazon's gonna do incredibly fucking well uh it was one of the ideas i had was like when it finishes i reckon if there's a load of um empty high street stores i could see amazon moving into them to create a kind of um a pickup point like that's basically like an argos except you only they only get shipped what gets ordered every day yeah and they'll do next day they'll do next day delivery like that where you have to go to you'll have a shop near you but you'll go and pick up your thing from that shop they had you know they had one like an argos they had one in waterloo station that was kind of like that for a while um yeah they'll they'll do the they'll do the thing of um they'll open up supermarkets you know like that there was that it was a while ago there was on it was I think it was in America, um, the Amazon supermarket where you walk in, you pick up the stuff, it tracks everything you're doing, and then you walk and you just walk out, and it just charges your account. And yeah. the justification for this will be they'll they'll get like a huge tax break or something because of it being you know good for public safety and health. <laughs> There's going to be so much of that kind of shit. I reckon if this goes on for longer than like a month or two or three months, then Amazon yeah. drones are going to be everywhere. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, three months is is fucking unimaginable at this that's point. How long, like, that's I mean, how long it you know, took that's how long China. they said. Yeah, well, they said but, three weeks, uh, like, but then they, but then you know, you hear them say things like spring next year, and um, I think there's that that um, in China they opened up, they've opened up again, um, where it was first started. I can't remember off the top of my head, but um, uh, Wuhan. Yeah, but I think I can't. I don't know if it's there that they've opened up again. But anyway, but it was. China, a, China, I, I did hear something. I think it was Hubei province that have opened it. up travel again. Yeah, but it's like, but China shut down at like thirty deaths. <laughs> yeah, not uh, not still not properly shutting down. Uh, however many we're at now. It's. I mean, it, and the reason was purely ideological. It. it they. They have realised the thing that. Everybody kind of knows in the back of their mind, I think, that this particular form like can't last. Yeah. Like it's 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 just unsustainable. This like level of there was something the other day and like look, I'm guilty as any one of using like uh Just Eat and, and like 
I don't have the Uber app, but yeah. I will use an Uber if my partner if my partner orders one. Yeah. But um, you look at the accounts of things like that and how much they're paying delivery drivers. Yeah. The economic value that the, the, the profit, the profit that they're generating. Yeah. Like, it's not profitable. Uber's not profitable. Um, Deliveroo isn't profitable. They offset some of their costs to their drivers by making them self-employed and uh, yeah, pushing off various bits of the costs to them. But I think it was on Twitter it was the, a few weeks ago now. I said, like, yeah, these things are uneconomic. Did you think you were getting, like, uh, an internet-acquired chauffeur and waiter to deliver food directly to your house for pennies yeah. just out of, out of nowhere. Do yeah. you know what I mean? What's actually sustaining these things is enormous piles of venture capital that was accumulated during the 2008 crisis. Yeah. And now that the control of that is going to be key in how well people actually are able to, to um, survive coming out of this. Yeah. Is that, no, it actually has to, and you know, Tories are in fucking power, so you know, of course, it's not. It probably isn't going to happen the way you want it to. No, but it would be a real good time to have like an organised left, <laughs> an organised workers' movement to to actually uh, oppose this. Because like the other thing you've seen in this is how much all of that is dependent on people going above and beyond. You yeah. know, people doing like I'm not just talking about like nurses who obviously like have that like um like moral imperative to to go to go out and, and do as, as much as they can now and help as much as they can mm. above and beyond. But like even on like retail, you're expected to sublimate so much more of your life yeah. and your labor power for less and less return. Well and that's just to maintain the status quo. That's not like generating super profits because like a load of these things have just gone. Mm. You know, a load of these things have just gone out of business when faced with the idea that they can't operate for, uh, for let's say, three weeks. Mm. You know? And yeah. that's like incredibly fragile. That's incredibly fucked. It is terrifying how fragile all this. It's been... That being said, the seeing what's been going on with Airbnb, oh... Delicious. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. You know, it's exactly what everyone said. Yeah. It's don't... exactly what everyone said all was along. It? There was one I saw on. I think it was. It must have been on Twitter of um someone talking about like a friend of theirs who had, who has like about thirty or forty of these Airbnbs that they're renting out, and mm-hmm. they've got all the. And it was like I have no idea how he managed to get all the money for this, and it turned out that he was just renting them out and then subletting them to Airbnb. And now all these people have cancelled, so he's like on the hook for about fifty grand. Of course, and in in that particular environment, that's like the. I guarantee he thought that was the most like uh, reasonable, rational decision he could have made. Yeah. In that situation, it's like, yo, yeah, of course I'll rack up fifty k of debt. You don't get anywhere without racking up like thousands and thousands of debt because I've got to get in on this now. The super yeah. profits are just way too good for me to ignore. Yeah, you know. But yeah, in general, it's it's funny watching a bunch of some of the most predatory monsters. Like I've got an issue with Airbnb anyway because there's some arsehole who's got a place. I almost said the address then, but I don't want to give out my exact address on the podcast. Um. There's an Airbnb with my address, but with a different postcode in Woodgreen. And um, every so often in the middle of the night, we'll have the door being knocked on by some, usually a couple or a family. And they'll be very angry that they're told, no, you don't stay here. You're going to Woodgreen. And no matter what I try and do, this has not changed. And so we get door knocked all the time. So I'm glad that Airbnb's dying a death. Because hopefully that means I was just, you won't have that anymore. Um, it was one of those things. Again, it's one of those things where like everybody can, everybody can see the logic of Airbnb. Yeah. Everyone can see exactly what it does to like a local housing market and yep. rents. Yep. Um, and they're never specifically told. Oh no, it's definitely. I mean, they probably are told that there's, it's specifically by someone. Oh, Airbnb doesn't do that. That's not economic. That's not the economic effect. Rents are high because of blah blah blah. Yeah. Um, and what happens as soon as all the Airbnbs start closing down? I think there was one thing in Dublin. Yeah, the rents started coming down. Yeah. It was exactly what everyone thought was happening. Yeah. 
and yet they have the reason why it doesn't end isn't because it isn't pointed out it's because people have no power yeah to end that yeah you know i mean maybe maybe you it's a bit more laid bare now that yeah. you can see that the only people who haven't been punished by sanctions as i say are like yeah property developers and landlords yeah. landlords were the last and you know land there's no been no rent freeze i think there's some kind of um i think there was something about the uh Delaying. freezing evictions Delaying. being taken out Delaying. of the legislation it being i think like what's going to end up happening is people are, people's evictions are going to be delayed so say for example you're a self-employed worker for i don't know say uber or Deliveroo. yeah or actually, no, they'll they'll still be working those kind of delivery people. Yeah. But say, okay, say you worked at Weatherspoons, and you know you mm-hmm. don't have a job now, and you can't afford your rent because your rent is through the roof. Um, yeah. You're now on the dole. You can't afford your your rent, and and to survive, you choose quite rightly to survive. Um, yeah. Your landlord can't evict you until this crisis is over. But literally, as soon as that crisis is over, they're going to kick you out. Yeah. And already. They're saying this already. Like the internet, Twitter's full of fucking seeing pe- landlords kicking people out, or landlords making like um, things like, "Oh, we need to." In fact, uh, my brother, um, his landlord is um, selling their place, yeah, and was like, "Oh, we're going to do um, like an open house on like I think it was meant to be like this Saturday, motherfucker," and it's like, no. Absolutely not. No. But of course, but again, it, it, it gets to that bare essentials because like all of these things are guidelines. They're not rules. Yeah. You know, I think like that is that is like an important component of the way people think in, in their authoritarianness, yeah. anti-authoritarian individualism. Um, the way it's been constructed is you always obey laws. Yeah. But you always frown on guidelines. Yeah. You know, you always frown on bylaws. There's a reason why everyone, like health, health and safety, is considered bylaws, even when it's yeah. an actual like law. Yeah. But you know that has been that has been that was the wedge that like neoliberalism used to kind of get through. Um, it started with like obviously the the jokes about like ha- how to handle coffee and not pouring hot coffee over the computer, health and safety demonstrations, and it ended with you can't collectively bargain. Yeah. Um, and yeah, like I imagine something, something new will have to come out of this to respond to that because it's going to be fucking terrible. Like from the sound of it, it's either going to be austerity, way worse than it was in 2010, which was bad enough. By the way, did you see fucking um, Steve Hilton on Fox News? I did see. I did see lovely Steve Hilton um, on Fox News when he's ta- when he's um his program on fox po- the coming revolution is it called like the coming revolution or the next revolution the coming revolution because he's like he's like an a, fa- a let's say a v1 of a blue sky thinker he's like a pre yeah, we did dom come didn't we dom Cummings. uh we did oh yeah we did do part of an episode yeah he was uh, stuart from the thick of it was was based on him yeah. apparently yeah and he got sacked after he had a fight at a birmingham new street station Ugh. um he got convicted um and he's married. He's married to a Google person. Something was higher it, yeah. than Google. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, um, so he's got this thing, and and his argument is that lockdowns will harm the economy, and therefore force through austerity afterwards, and that's yeah. worse than the effects of the disease. And his example for how bad, how much worse austerity could be than locking down from the virus was. When they instituted austerity in the UK, it caused 130,000 deaths, the, excess deaths. That he did. Unbelievable. Yeah. Absolutely fucking unbelievable. Everything everyone says, and they people still dispute it every time someone brings it up. Yeah. And yet, there it is. They just, they know. Yeah. They all know. To be fair, who best to go to, to, you know, see the harmful effects of austerity than him? It would be like, you know, Saddam Hussein saying, you shouldn't gas Kurds, that kills Kurds. And it's like, I know, because I did it. So either you're going to have an austerity worse than 2010. Yeah. Or what I... If, if, like, if Dominic Cummings remains and is that kind of serious person, and if if he really has effected a change at the top... Yeah. um, Not that you believe in elite-led change, but that it is a factor... 
in like historical development, you could be looking at something like uh, a Singapore situation, like yeah. an incredibly authoritarian, um, like state capitalism. Well, the thing is, I'd which be has been wary. has been the trend for the last few years. I mean, I'd, China. I'd be more wary about that being the outcome of all of this if they'd like if they'd straight away like last week when Rishi Sunak did his thing that made all the blue ticks go, "This is great." Um, yeah. If he did just announce this is socialism. Yeah. If he just announced UBI. Um, yeah. And I would, and it would like he announces UBI, and then like a couple of days later, Boris starts coming out with some of the new powers being given to the police. Yeah. I would be more worried about that kind of situation, but I think because of the like they're still sticking into their old fashioned ways of doing things. Yeah, I mean, that, I, I, so don't, what's I don't. I don't. What's happening is like all these new powers that they're giving the police and. Um, I saw that they were considering. Um, well, yeah, they're they're changing changing it so you you can be sectioned by just one doctor and things like that. That after all of this is done, I think quite a the lot, original social distancing. Yeah, um, <laughs> quite a lot of the things like the new powers will fade away, but they'll keep the ones that they can use to be really punitive against immigrants. So they'll um, just sort and, of like ramp and, up and, pro- and and protests. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But um, yeah. basically, what I think is going to end up happening with, like, in the long run, is say, okay, say for the sake of argument, all of this is done by spring, like, and yeah. I don't mean like done. I mean like done, done. It's all, it's all gone. No more coronavirus. Like, yeah, no, no, like cases are you know virtually yeah. non-existent. We've got a cases, cure. Right? We've got a magic cure. Yeah. Um, yeah. The Tories will have the justification for doing austerity again, which they love doing. Yeah. Um, and they would have ramped up their authoritarian control of things like migration and like protesters short quicker. Like it would have taken them maybe five years to get to that point, but they would have done it within a year because of this. That's my. I that's mean, what I reckon is going to happen. I've got this whole like, yeah, thing. Mean, like, I, there's a lot of people saying things like, "Oh, we can't go back to normal after this." It's like, no, no, you watch it. Oh yeah, you can try. You can uh, like you can't go back to normal, no, they, but they can really fucking try. Yeah, and that's that would be what they'll do. I mean, yeah, I think yeah, the reason why like some kind of um, state capitalism wouldn't come in is that it would need an entire transformation of the British class system. Yeah, exactly. The British class, the, like the British. British capitalism, British style capitalism, yeah. didn't come about because somebody thought it was a good idea and put it into practice. It came about because of particular class alliances between, yeah, landlords, uh, a particularly overdeveloped property sector, and the financial sector yeah. and services and things like that. Hmm. Um, so, yeah, I mean, obviously, the class dynamics for some kind of state capitalist, which would be, I guess, it tends to be more developing states. Um, I mean, if you think of yeah, places like um, Singapore and Hong Kong and, and now China, South Korea was the same. The reason it worked is because they were building an industrial base largely from scratch, yeah. whether that was because they hadn't had one or because it was destroyed by the Second World War. Um, they'd be able to, to, to build that up again. Um, and they had a you know, like a post-colonial um, middle class, a bourgeoisie that was well on board with it, that didn't have any particular history of democratic involvement. So, like, Singapore's had the same party in power, I think, for its entire history. Um, Japan is the same. Other than one blip, it's had the same party, and you it kind of becomes like a an intra-party thing. But yeah. I could see something like that happening. Um, the Tories wouldn't be able to remain. Like, Boris has gotten rid of all the what we now call one nation as apparently because when you apologize for being a really far right financial fiscally conservative tory apparently you have to wait until you lose your job and then you become a one nation tory well no look the diff- there's a fundamental um, the fundamental difference between the two wings of the tory party is some of them will hunt the poor and some of them will step over the poor and apologize <laughs> if their opera cape like knocks over something it was. I'm mainly thinking of that Jeremy Hunt thing where he was like, "Oh yeah, I could have really managed uh, all this better when I was health secretary to make yeah. sure the NHS was stronger." And it's like you, f- I, 
you fucking... I, what, what are you supposed to do to that? It's and like, then of oh, course, hindsight's twenty twenty, isn't it? Give it, give it a couple of years, and yeah, they will be referring to him on the as oh, he's of the he's in the One Nation traditions. Like, no, he's not. Yeah, he's just not got a job anymore, so he's harmless. The same yeah. as Kenneth Clark. Yeah, fucking Kenneth Clark was a, died in the wall Thatcherite, and now he's like the cuddly one. Yeah, it's. <laughs> It's uh, it's pretty incredible. So, as um, away from the government, has Keir Starmer been mm-hmm. filling you full of joy and hope? Christ! Oh, I did hear some. There was some talk um, tonight about um, a COVID coalition. What? Uh, let me just look I it saw, up because I, I saw can like, now. I saw like I'm a, now in front of my laptop. Uh, I saw a while ago. It feels like a million years ago now. There was talk of yeah. like. There was someone saying, like, oh, we should get um, all the former prime ministers together. They'd put country first. It's like, that's definitely what I'd think about British prime ministers. I have seen I have seen at least one tweet um, saying that that should be done now. Uh... Yeah. Um, but there's a, there's a story today. Senior Conservatives are questioning whether Boris Johnson will need a national unity government or some kind of cross-party council to share responsibility for the coronavirus if the situation worsens. Very particular phrasing there, to yeah, share, share responsibility. responsibility. Yeah, um, that, George, so who, George who... Free... Oh. Um, George Freeman, a former minister in Johnson's government, was the first to break cover to say a COVID coalition government may be unavoidable, and some other Tory MPs privately believe the Prime Minister will need cross-party governing consensus if emergency measures are continue uh, to continue for months. Um, oh, God, yeah. I mean, so Jeremy Corbyn? So work with Jeremy Corbyn? <laughs> no, no. <laughs> Freeman told the Guardian, Freeman told the Guardian, uh, this demands a suspension of blood... He demands a suspension of politics as usual. When Labour have a sensible new leader, Keir Starmer, oh. if elected, should be invited to COVID cabinet. So, yeah. That's that's where they they're going with that, because of course they are, and they literally mean to share responsibility. Yeah, yeah, you know, it's yeah. so that every everyone else can get the blame. Oh, it, you I, can see the way they're framing things. Like, there's part like, there's people saying like the reason why Boris didn't immediately shut everything down and why he's been vague about all of it is because at his core he's a libertarian. He doesn't feel it's right to tell people what to do, but I'm. There's like part even of if thing. he were, even if even if he was if the rest of the ruling co- like coalition did not have the outside class pressures on them that made them inf- uh, made them tailor their decision making with certain other factors in mind like shutting down business will cost a shitload of money and make business owners really angry at us then he wouldn't have mattered how much of a libertarian he was he would have shut everything down yeah. as it is it just so happens maybe he is a, a, like a particular lover of British liberty or whatever in that aesthetic way that Tories, that certain, I was even Tories, like certain British people sometimes are. Um, they associate are like uh, classic Britishness with a certain level of freedom liking. Yeah. Um, but it, it wouldn't have mattered if the advice he got, if, if the prevailing opinion was to shut everything down, that it wouldn't harm the economy as much as they thought it would. It wouldn't have mattered, but as it is, his person. Okay, so his personal preference tailors with the class interests that he is there to represent. But the, 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 yeah, but the thing that I was thinking is, um, especially over the weekend, is he was deliberately fucking vague over all of it, just so you could have all the pictures of people yes. out. So then, when like as the deaths start to go up and up and up and up and up, the blame won't fall squarely on the man who was saying everything's fine like a week ago. It will fall on yeah. Joggers and people playing in the park. Because that's yeah, what people have been saying it, in Italy. You could, you could also, yeah, you could also see. Um, it was the way that in the early weeks um, they started releasing information. So, like, there would be like double and triple briefings. Yeah. So they'd like release some piece of info through like a back channel or like a leak or something. They would see how it lands when it's given to certain like right wing fellow travellers, and eventually it would make its way to. The word is outriders, but I don't think it applies in this case because it was Katie Hopkins. Um, when she started talking about herd immunity. Yeah. Um, and she starts talking about it's science and everybody is utterly repelled. Yeah. Only then do they realize they haven't got it right and they can reverse course, you know? And that's when also they put out the reverse course about the expansion in police powers. Um, and Boris says things like, goes from saying like, 
don't worry, this will not be as bad as you think, to, yeah, significant numbers of people will die. So it doesn't appear like he's changing course. It appears like he's just continuing to say what he already was. Yeah, but it'd be obvious that he is completely changing course if if every single fucking dickhead in the press was completely on site. If we yeah, if we had a functioning um, anything, <laughs> yeah. I'd say press, but oppositional mentality. I, I'm looking for it from any social force at this point. I can't remember what um, journalist said. If you said had it. a powerful union movement that was, you know, able to uh, like stand apart from government, hmm. stand apart from the state, then yeah, that would be where I would look for it from. But it's nowhere. You know? I can't remember which which journalist did the story over the weekend about how that we're to blame. Uh, yeah, I, I'm that. pretty sure ev- everyone had that. I think every single Guardian hack had that in their back pocket. Yeah. Of course, the real danger is not coronavirus, but ourselves. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> Echoing the traditional liberal fear of the mob. Yeah. Oh. It's Actually, just... it does. It, it, it kind of perfectly tallies with that kind of shit as well, because it's masses of human beings in places where they shouldn't be. Mm. And that, that does kind of worry me about the, the kind of mentality that people are going to take after this is all over, because once you've designated, I mean, I've no doubt that they will shift from a large numbers of people are to blame to particular numbers of people oh, are yeah. to blame. And it's going to be no fucking accident that obviously um multicultural cities are going to be harder hit by this than other places yeah. and that will almost certainly be used in the same way that it was used in um in grenfell well there was a thing i saw um, that um that there's a higher percentage of um asian of people in the asian community getting corona and that's yeah. mainly because you know they live with their parents you know they look after you know they live in more mm. in like like me and you don't live anywhere near our fucking parents um yeah yeah whereas um in the asian community they still do that stuff um yeah because they have they well, it's like i don't know are they not as bitter but um <laughs> but so there's there's a higher number of them and what's the bet in that afterwards that's going to be used or during it's going to be start to be used as a way of blaming like you see, like oh, 100%. Alison Pearson yeah. saying, um, "Made in China should be a badge of shame." I just arrest that virus. If only we could have arrested that virus at the border. Yeah, it's not going to surprise <laughs> me that after all of this happens and like we, the numbers are all tallied up, that the amount of people that are fined for meeting in groups larger than two, it's mainly going to be um, BAME. It's not going to yeah. be the groups of cyclists and joggers I saw this morning. And, you know, maybe I'm yeah. making an unfair judgment that, that that group of 10 men, maybe they all do live together. <laughs> but I don't think they do. Maybe they're a runner's yeah. collective. Again, it's 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 that impossible thing of they can't square the, um, like, native, like, particular nativism that has, uh, the, the right wing has turned to in the last few years. They can't square that with the fact that their entire class needs a globalized economy to continue producing that that sweet sweet profit yeah they can't square those two things it came in through globalization mm. immigrants come in through globalization through those processes they're the things that make you maybe not Alison Pearson but certainly make her husband's hedge fund i don't know whether her husband has a hedge fund <laughs> but um you know her family's hedge fund um that's the thing that makes it so much money, the free flow of capital and labor. And you can't divorce those two things. It, yeah, you can you can keep make a career out of it, but it doesn't square. Hmm. Um, yeah, so like this, as I, I remember when we did the Grenfell episode, um, yeah. I kind of made a proviso that like it's horrible to take an event where people are dying and people are in like severe hardship and whatever and try and like sum it up and make a big thing about it but as with Grenfell this whole thing has just summed up so much stuff of the post 2008 era yeah of you know these things that this this virus spread so far and so quickly through largely um a globalized upper class that's why you saw um politicians and things getting it first 
getting yeah. diagnosed with it first. I mean, they will also be able to afford tests and private healthcare and all that. But, um, you know, and it really shows where the priorities lie. You know, it's the people who got sanctioned first would have been, um, you know, the elderly in care homes uh, yeah. who are unable to, you know, afford to stay in their own homes or, or, or get better care. And the first people to kind of lose their jobs are people in the service sector, mm. the people who ha- we don't know, the people who knew their fates mm. earliest yeah. are really the ones who are the most economically disadvantaged people. That's what yeah. I'm trying to say. Yeah, Landlords, property developers, big business were the first to be reassured, were the first to, to make sure that their particular priorities and, and world was was protected yeah um and there's so much of this that just like exposes so much about the the way everything gone the fact that you know landlords really started getting uh shitty about uh renters that renters have no protection that the nhs came to the fore about a lot of rhetoric about it being protected but of course it's been paired to the bone yeah and it, it's it's never it's never as good a thing, and ultimately that there's no there's no slack no. in this system. I'm pretty sure I saw someone else say that the other the other day. There's a an economist called Nicholas Nassim Taleb who like he's a huge prick. Mainly is what he's known for. Okay, um, he's he's kind of like he's barely on the edge of being a, a crank. He's like goes on about Haplo groups on Twitter. He's like a 60-year-old Lebanese guy who tries to prove that Lebanese people were like of the same Haplo group as Jewish people rather than Arabs. Okay. Um, however, he did predict the 2008 financial crisis and it's, it's just got this really arrogant manner of him. That's that's like how it's known. Anyway, okay. he's kind of more of an internet personality than an economist at this point. But he did uh, write a book or write a series of articles about... Um, how the economy is over-optimized. Everybody has their one particular job that they're supposed to do hyper-fast and for a long, long time, much longer than it would actually need for, to have the job accomplished. They need to do overtime. They need to work longer hours. Just keep keeping to do that, doing that thing. And so many parts of the economy are just so perfectly designed to just do one thing that yeah. there's no absolutely no slack and this is where it this is where it comes apart mm. because there's no slack in the NHS if they decided that if they got 40,000 cases uh, of flu winter flu a year they would have 40 well 38,000 beds knowing them yeah. um you know if if supermarkets needed to stock their shelves they could just keep stocking it up on a daily basis with really long fragile supply chains if they needed to source those things yeah. you know it, it they were just so dependent on all of that all of that work all of that labor power constantly being applied to the maximum because there's been no protection for labor for 30 40 years probably even before that there's been no one to negotiate there's been no one to fight there's been anti-strike legislation there's been nothing on on labor's side i mean labor with a small l working class and yet they're the people who you can now see actually have to do that work Mm. they're the people who maintain actual human living standards actual human life yeah as opposed to all of the kind of other things that are there just to to make profit you know and it's just it's just really exposed how fragile and how hyperactive all of that neoliberal stuff has gotten i mean i I don't a lot of people said neoliberalism kind of died in in 2008 2009 I, i never saw it like that it just kind of it kept going and was a bit shamefaced at first and then just carried on and got more and more rabid yeah, and kind of made an alliance with the far right in order to in order to keep keep going. Yeah. Um. But yeah, there's going to need to be a huge fucking fight. Like it's it's the gloves are off now. Like I was so fucking out. like I I think it was Juliet like posted something that we'd said on the last episode we did, which was yeah. about. It was something like Tory, are Tories happy or how how Brexit going? That was it. Yeah. 
Um, and it was like, yeah, history doesn't wait for you to to catch up or history doesn't let you win or something like that. And it's like, boom, yeah. you are finally, we have Boris Johnson for the first time in a world historical moment. And so much of their, like Boris is weird because he actually on the surface seems to embrace that kind of stuff in the same way that like Blair did. Yeah. He embraces the idea of being in a world historical moment. Yeah. And yet Britain is uniquely, it's ruling class as a whole is uniquely um, not equipped to think of itself in world historical terms almost. Like they, they think that everything's going to go on forever. That's where you get this. That's why you get this attitude of like, oh, like Tim Martin can just sack all of his workers because there will always be a large reserve labor pool for yeah. me to dip back into when all of this blows over. Yeah. There will always be that long supply chain from China pumping out goods at pennies on the pound that yeah. I can then sell on in Britain. Yeah. <coughs> there will always be that like food surplus circulating round from the third world that we can always keep uh, food cheap in the West and avoid food riots and um, civil upheaval and, and revolution. Like all of those factors that go towards that you study in history that go towards making a, a revolutionary situation or a, a, a crisis in, in some way, no one thinks that they could happen to Britain. Yeah. You know, I don't know about other countries. Maybe their their ruling classes are like just as um, just as uh, like easygoing about that kind of thing. <laughs> but clearly, all of the economic activity that is controlled by this entire group of bourgeoisie of of of, of uh, capitalists is absolutely not prepared for this world to end. It's like it's in their DNA. It's it's not even on the surface. It's not even like a rational choice of they can see clearly and they make a rational choice in their interests. It's baked into their DNA that this this situation, this this thing will never change. And maybe I think we thought maybe Brexit might topple some of that. But it turns out it just happened at random. Yeah. <laughs> this was gonna ha- this was gonna happen at some point. We we've been taught we talk for years every time something happens we always talk about as naturally paranoid and apocalyptic people yeah we always talk about when the next foot's gonna fall yeah this is probably the next foot i'm like 80 percent sure this is the next foot yeah this is the other foot falling you know and we're here now and yeah the left had that huge defeat in december which apparently i i it's been good for forgetting that and it's also been good for me thinking god do you remember when we used to talk about the labor leadership wasn't that much better than this (laughs) christ this really is the end (sighs) you're right yeah i'm just thinking like like i was trying to think whether whether i do prefer thinking about this than the labor leadership yeah i do prefer thinking about the labor leadership (laughs) <laughs> to this. It's weird. I was thinking, like, God, do you remember when we were arguing about the relative merits of Jess Phillips and Lisa Nandy? <laughs> do you remember that a month ago? <laughs> yeah. Ah, <laughs> uh, so in a way, it's kind of—I don't know. It is kind of nice to have these things put into stark relief to know that you weren't—that you weren't that out. That, like, that manifesto that was pretty good wasn't that far out that it all happened anyway yeah uh not obviously not in the way it, the, the manifesto didn't happen it, it's not no. in at all the same because it didn't change any pattern of ownership all it changed was the amount of money that was pumped into the economy which was ironically what corbyn was accused of doing yeah. which he wasn't but yeah there we are um and yeah i <sighs> That's where we are now. So, like, it's going to be really fucking important to get some kind of opposition back together because, like, it's just, you know, the government are granting themselves a lot of powers. There's a lot yeah, of look uh, economic stuff that's going to happen now that is going to need responses and sticking up for ourselves. Yeah. Much more. Looking at it, Keir Starmer's not going to be that. You saw the way you're talking. Oh, you saw the way he, he was talking uh, about the evictions. Like, he was, right. the, he was the ghost at the feast. If the ghost at the feast didn't tell any uncomfortable truths, if it just kind of stood outside smoking. 
which is what I like to do at most feasts. Most feasts I'm invited to, I yeah. prefer just to stand outside. It can be raining, that's fine. I don't mind. As long as I've got a little smoke on, I'm, uh, I'm pretty happy uh, when, I'm, when I'm at a feast. Oh, so that's us for this week. Uh, I'm not sure. We'll probably try and do once a week. We can do more if the if the spirit takes us, but uh, we'll be doing this remotely for the next little while. So uh, yeah, yeah, we don't know how that Two how it's going to plan out. But it will, yeah, is it now? We never see each other ever again. <laughs> you can turn the video on. Um, no. <laughs> God, All I can no. see is. All I can see is a cherubic Okada on the screen right now. Oh, yeah, that's my little icon. On uh, yeah. So you can subscribe to us on iTunes. Follow us at WDTATW underscore podcast. Follow me at BM Bergamo. Follow Hugh at Tanner Smashing. And we will see you soon. Bye. Yeah. Bye. Frightened am the least about the frightened game when Mr. Hoover said to cut my